Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. I hated missing last week. I got a little bit of uh, PTSD from missing all the COVID Sundays. I hate not being together. I'm pumped to be here. I hope you guys are too. hope you're warm. Colossians is where we've been. Uh, get your Bibles out. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture this morning. Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slender and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And also, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the word of the Lord. Before we get going, I'm going to do something a little bit weird, but stay with me. A lot of you uh, remember Bob, right? And Bob played the drums. Yeah, Bob played the drums. He worked a ton with our kids. Um, he had to go back uh, overseas to his home country to serve his term in the military. Um, he, we, we've recently spoke with him, and, and uh, man, he, he's kind of getting knocked upside the head. And what I mean by that is uh, for his faith in Jesus. Uh, a lot of the guys he's in the military with, they're not about it, and they're hammering him over it, and he misses us. So I'm going to take this moment. He watches every one of our gatherings, okay? So I'm going to talk to Bob. Bob, we love you, man. We miss you so much, and I want you to keep the faith. I want you to stay strong. Your brothers and sisters here in Springfield, they're praying for you, and they miss you. Um, I'm going to have, if you could, guys, the first five or ten rows, just stand up and wave back at the camera. Let Bob know you're here and you're thinking about him. All right? Good. We love you, buddy. We're going to be praying for you, okay? Oh. Let me pray. Get my, get my mind right here. 
Father, it's in our weakness that you are made strong. I need that this morning, right here on this stage. God, I pray that for Bob. May he feel your presence today. May we feel and experience your presence in this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Whew, okay, listen. What you think about is what you become. Let me say that again. What you think about is what you become. Now, I've wrestled with this statement a lot. I've went back and forth on it. Let me tell you where I land with it. I think it's true. And let me tell you why I think that's true after a lot of wrestling. Because I think God's word talks so much about what we think and about our minds And the reason God did that is because what we think about is what we become. It's what we live. The truth is that that they have learned more about the brain in the last 20 years than they've learned about the brain in all the years building up previous. So when we start talking and we think of science and we think of psychiatry and we think of uh, psychotherapy, here's what we're led to believe. And I I know we have a lot of college students here, but this just isn't uh, to you, college students. Here's what we're led to believe. We're led to believe that science and the Bible are at odds. Okay, listen to me. They're not. You need to know that. Okay, so so at this church, we, we believe in clinical psychiatry, clinical counseling. Now, can there be some messed up uh, people that do that and and they lead people in the wrong path? 100%. But we believe if it's done in a gospel-centered way, it's very healthy. And we are going to push, this church is going to push to provide for this city gospel-centered clinical counseling. We believe in that. Why? Because we don't believe science and the Bible and science and the creator of science are at odds. So we come to this passage today, we're really going to hang out on verse 2 where it says, set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. Now here's the deal, we're going to be in chapter 3 for a long time, that's why I had Julie read so much of it today, and you notice there were some lists, things that appeared to be lists, right? And all, all these lists, which, which, whichever one we're living in, and that you kind of notice there might have been kind of the bad list and then there was a good list and we struggle with both and the reality is this whichever one that you are dealing with or living in today actually started with your thinking so before we dive into it, let me just kind of review where we've been uh, in Colossians Daniel started off and he, and he really taught us a lot about scripture uh, interpretation of a, a, a fancy word for that is hermeneutics and he talked about the people of Colossae they were hearing this letter in their town in a time and place, right? And now here we are in our different time and place. And we got to try to take Scripture and, and understand what was going on in their town. We, we want to get it to our town and, and not mess up what God was trying to say. And in Colossians chapter 1, uh, there were just a couple spots there. But man, if you don't get anything from Colossians chapter 1, you needed to get this, verse 12 and 13, where it says that the Father who has qualified you, that's a huge statement. That is a gospel statement. The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Who qualified you? That's right, not you, the Father. 
Then you go to chapter 2. Go back to chapter 1. I'm sorry, I forgot one, an important point there, right? In chapter 1 it said, how does he qualify you? Well, he delivered us from this domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son or the kingdom of light. So here we are, born into this kingdom of darkness. And we, upon believing in Jesus, upon passing from death to life, listen, we were transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. Listen to me, who transferred you? Father, this is, listen, this is great news. Then you go to chapter 2, and this sounds very much like the letter that Paul wrote to Ephesians. It says, you were dead in your trespasses, uncircumcision of the flesh, and God made, made you alive. Who made you alive? God made you alive. Listen, I got three of you talking back to me. Let's up our game here. Who made you alive? Come on. Unless you're dead, I don't know. Listen, that's, that's the gospel all over chapter 1. The gospel is all over chapter 2. And because the gospel is true and the gospel is true, because it's true, now you are free to live out chapter 3. Well, let's dive into this. Before we even get into verse 2, I, got, I must address uh, verse 1 because I don't know that... Well, let's just go to verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, another way you could translate this, a lot of translators do translate it this way, is since you have been raised with Christ. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, which is a little backwards from what probably they teach you uh, in preacher school, but I didn't go to preacher school, so usually it's like at the end of it, they do the gospel presentation, really tug on your heartstrings, like, okay, come follow Jesus, I'm flipping the script. Listen to me, since you have been raised with Christ, have you? Have you been? Every Sunday in this theater, a bunch of people come sit in a seat who have not passed from death to life. Why? Because we are good Springfieldians, and that's what we do. We go to church on Sunday. Listen to me. And some of you are dead. Now hear me. I'm so heavy. You guys have no idea. I, I'm, an, I'm this close from just breaking down and weeping on this stage, okay? I, I've done two funerals. I did two funerals in seven days. One of a 26-year-old boy and another one of a 59-year-old man. Both, that's too young. That's not what we're thinking, right? We're thinking 70s, 80s, 90s. Listen to me. I don't like talking about this. I don't talk about it very much. And the reason I don't talk about it very much is I don't like to talk about it, if I'm honest with you. But look at me. I need your eyes right here. You're going to die soon. That's it. Do you understand? And listen, your day's on the calendar. Your day's on God's calendar. And we can work out and we can eat healthy and we should. I'll talk about that in a minute. But listen, it doesn't change that date on the calendar. You're going to die soon. And listen to me. If you are separated from Jesus Christ and that happens, that is not good for you. You will forever be separated from him. Am I trying to scare you? No, I'm just trying to tell you the truth before we move on into this. You need to be thinking properly about if you've passed from death to life. Because once you die, listen to me, if you're apart from Jesus, there is no hope. Okay, There is no your family members praying enough for you so that while you sit in this made-up thing called purgatory, that doesn't exist. Are you hearing me? 
Listen to me, once you take your last breath, if you are separated from Jesus Christ, you are forever separated from Jesus Christ, the most important thing about you right here today is do you believe what I just told you? That's the most important thing about you. And I'm getting pretty serious about it, right? Because that's what happens when you preach funerals. It becomes real. I love you guys. I'm trying to pastor you here. I'm trying to be a shepherd. And some of you come here every single Sunday and and you're dead. And Jesus invites you into something way better. Since you have been raised with Christ. Now I'm, talking to the, I'm, now I'm talking to the ones who have passed from death to life. Seek the things that are above. Then it goes, listen, verse 2. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things of the earth. See, there's a word uh, in Greek, and actually it's one word, and we, it, it takes us three words to explain one word. Set your minds is one word, phroneo. It's one word. And this isn't just uh, merely an intellectual thinking mind, right? It's much, much deeper than that. Let me give you an example. Another example in Scripture where we see phroneo. Matthew. This will be familiar to some of you. Matthew, chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. He's telling his disciples this. I'm going to be killed, but on the third day I'm going to be raised. Verse 22, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. Jesus, look what Jesus does. He turns to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not phroneo on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, this, this is a heart word. This isn't just intellectual. When we see phroneo, set our minds, we're talking about, yes, our intellectual intellectual thinking, of course, but also our heart. This is like a conglomeration of our mind, our heart, and our gut. And some of y'all are like, wait a minute, that sounds Enneagram-ish. Yes, you know why? Because science and the Bible are not at odds. The Enneagram just reflects phroneo. Our desires, our loves, our affections, our deepest us, our gut. That's what we must set on things that are above. So why don't we? Now that's a good question. Listen, it is hard. So the simple answer is why don't we? Well, because it's hard. But why don't we? Is it so hard? Why is setting our minds on things above, or another way to say that, why is setting our phroneo on truth, why is it so hard? Here, here, here it is, right? I'm just going to tell you why it's so hard. Remember me talking about being transferred from darkness to light, right? Uh, be, being made alive. Listen to me. That's spirit work. That's something that happens in the spiritual realm, and that's something that happened by the Holy Spirit. And what we do is we take something that began in the spirit and we continue to try to accomplish something in the flesh. It means on our own power. You can't do it. You cannot set your mind. You cannot white knuckle setting your mind on the things above. That's flesh work. It's, 
listen, we, we can't do something in the flesh that was began and born in the spirit. So here's the reality. Yes, we are transferred. Kingdom of darkness to kingdom of light. But here's what happens. We actually bring kingdom of darkness thinking with us to the kingdom of light. And listen, no matter what you're thinking, you are, you are doing kingdom thinking. It's just which kingdom? Is it kingdom of darkness thinking? Is it kingdom of light thinking? You've got to learn how to evaluate this. So let me talk to you just, just a little bit about thinking, and specifically kingdom of darkness thinking or toxic thinking in our minds. Okay? Here's the reality. If you are here, if you are hearing me, you are here. And if you are here, here's what data tells us. Seven out of ten of all the thoughts that go to your mind are negative. That, that's, that's just data. Now, of those, of those negative thoughts, those seven negative thoughts, one psychiatrist would say that all those thoughts are rooted in one or more of these three thoughts. And here they are. Ready? So, so write these down. I am worthless. I am helpless. I am unlovable. Any of your negative thoughts, any of your kingdom of darkness thoughts are rooted in one of those three thoughts. And here's the thing about I am worthless, I am helpless, I am unlovable. Those are anti-gospel thoughts. Those are kingdom of darkness thoughts. And listen to me. I am worthless, I am helpless, I am unlovable. Those are not intellectual thoughts. Those are heart thoughts. Those are identity thoughts. Now here's something about our minds. So I told you about toxic thinking. Let me tell you something about your minds. I, I mean, I just, I just read this stuff, right? You guys know I'm not very smart. But, but in our minds, uh, there are neural pathways in our brain, okay? And what we think and the way we think form neural networks, neural pathways. And listen, we spent all this time in kingdom of darkness thinking with these pathways being formed, these neural networks. And then we were transferred in this kingdom of light. Those networks don't just automatically go away. It takes work. You got to create new networks. That's why, listen. That's why I can't look at you guys when you're thinking stuff that you shouldn't be thinking and go, stop doing that. Because that's, that's, that's flesh. That's like me saying, hey, you can do this if you're just tough enough. Listen to me, this is spirit work. So here at this church, we don't just go, stop it. It's spirit work. So what's going on? What is going on? In it? And then once we know what is going on, how, how do we even fix it? So, so let me tell you what's going on. Remember the toxic thoughts I just mentioned to you, right? The three thoughts that all of our toxic thoughts are rooted in. They're lies. So listen, rubber meets the road. Are you believing lies? You got to evaluate it. See, listen, lies are powerful. You better know this. Lies are powerful. You know how they're powerful? Because their dad is powerful. Say, Brad, what are you talking about? Their dad is powerful. The Bible says that the lies have a father. And he's a real person that hates your guts. It's the devil. It's Satan. He's real. This isn't some made-up cartoon character. The devil's a real person that hates your guts. 
and he is the father of lies. Are you believing him? This has been his weapon since the beginning of time. He won't change it. He doesn't have to because it works. I have good news for you this morning. Truth with a capital T is more powerful than lies. Listen, it impacts our emotions. It impacts our behavior. And the truth with the capital T is what we need to form new neural networks and pathways in our brain. The truth will literally change your brain. New neural networks can be formed. Because here's the reality. Where my attention goes, neural firing flows. And guess what happens? If we're doing that with truth, if we're giving our attention to truth, healing can take place. Listen, you ever think about Paul, the guy who wrote this letter? I need you to think about this. Sometimes I don't think we, I think it's just so far out there that we forget. Like Paul had uh, neural networks. Why? Because he was a real human being. And do you know what this real human being did? He was a real thinking, breathing human who actually murdered other real thinking humans. Do you think that messed with his mind? There's no doubt that Paul had to focus on Jesus. Paul had to set his mind on things above because his past memories of murdering other real humans would have messed him up. This is awesome. Paul, who wrote this letter, Paul needed the truth of his own letter as much as the Colossians needed that. And he lived it. That's what's going on up here. And it affects all of us. It's not just intellectual. So how do we fix this? Let me ask you again. How do we fix this? We evaluate and decide what we will fixate upon. What are you fixated on? By definition, fixate means to cause, to acquire an obsessive attachment to someone or something or or to direct one's eyes toward. One of the greatest compliments you could ever receive in your life is from somebody to look at you and say, you're obsessed with Jesus. Yes, yes I am. I'm fixated upon him. My eyes are toward him. But, but, but Brad, my fixation isn't upon Jesus. How do I change my fixation? That's a great question. We've talked about it quite a bit, but I'm going to bring it back to you. Remember, if you haven't been coming to Hill City for a while, we talk about this quite a bit. Our actions shape our loves. In other words, what we do affects our fixations, and then our fixations affect what we do, and that is the cycle of our lives. Our practices will shape our beliefs, And then that will drive our actions. 
Let me, let me give you another example of, of, of when I hear somebody or when I think about, okay, how do we change, how do I change my fixation? I put that question in the same category of how do I get healthy physically, okay? Because here's the deal. You can ask that question. All of you already know the answer because here's the deal. The answer to the question, how do I get physically healthy, is, hasn't changed in 100 years and it's not going to change for another 100 years. Are you ready? Here it is. Eat better exercise get proper rest that's how you that's how you get physically healthy eat good food exercise get proper rest well I did it for four days and it doesn't work doesn't work yes I know that's not how it works that's not how getting healthy works that's not how changing your fixation works do it for 400 days come back and tell me how that goes that's what we have to do with our fixation if we want to rewire our brains, if we want our brains to literally change. So what, well, if it's not eat right, it's not exercise, it's not proper rest, and we're talking about our fixation, what is it? This is never going to change. The three things I'm going to tell you, this is never, ever going to change. Are you ready? This is what you must have. These are must, non-negotiables. God's word. Why do we think we can circumvent that and be okay? We can't. Listen, I love you. I'm trying to be a shepherd here. God's word. God's people. And God's presence. Listen, when God's word, let's start there. When this book, when God's word grabs your attention, your brain will literally change. He tells us this. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You mean my mind can be made new? Yes, it can. Where do I start? God's word. And listen, I, I don't care how you get it. Okay, so this is, you probably won't hear this from most pastors. I don't care how you get God's word. You understand me? Do you have to go sit down at a table with a pen and notepad and get your hour of quiet time? No, you don't. Is that cool? Yeah, do it. If that's how you get God's word, get it. I don't care how you get it. Get it, get it play it on, in your car and listen to it. Listen to podcasts of other sermons of, of men who are preaching God's word. There are multiple ways you can get God's word. I don't care how you do it. Go get it. Now listen, some of you are like, oh, I get God's word, and you're popping your collars, like I got this. Listen to me. I love you. I don't give a rip. And no one really does how good you do at Bible trivia questions. Okay, can I go, let me just go somewhere else with, with y'all. I don't give a rip how impressive you might feel at a coffee shop talking to some people. I don't. And I don't think God does. You know what, I, do you love Jesus Listen, if you're in the word and the result isn't that you love Jesus more, you're, you're doing something wrong. You're there for the wrong reasons. There's something going on here. But make no mistake about it. If you want your mind, you want your mind to be set on things above, you want your brain to be literally changed, you've got to get in God's word. Secondly, you've got to be around God's people. You have to be around God's people. Who are your friends? you got to have gospel-centered friends. That's a non-negotiable. Can you have friends who don't follow Jesus? Of course, I highly recommend it. But you got to have gospel-centered friends. And here's the thing, we talk a lot about community here. It's very important to us. And in that, we have conversations about authenticity and vulnerability. Yes? Amen, I'm there, I like that. I think we need to be authentic with each other. I think we need to be vulnerable with each other. 
Some of you don't have that. I pray that you get it, but some of you do have it, and let me talk to you. That's not enough. Listen, that's not enough. we got to be better friends. We, we can be authentic and we can be vulnerable. we got to be better friends. Listen, you, th- this is to the people. I'm talking to the people of God here. This is true. What I'm going to tell you is true of the people of God. You can have people in your life that are contributing to the same old neural pathways. Here, here's something scarier. You can be a person who's actually keeping someone where God doesn't intend for them to be, specifically in their thinking. Now that's the bad news. Here's some good news, right? Here's some gospel. You can be a person that actually helps and begins forming new, godly, healthy, healing neural pathways in someone else's brain. Did you know you could do that? You could bring healing to people. You're not even a doctor or a nurse. How do I know this? Bible says it. Proverbs. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Some of us aren't good enough friends. We're not speaking wisdom to our other friends. Listen to me. I want you to feel like I'm giving you a hug when I'm saying this. I'm really serious. As a shepherd, but I'm going to go here, Okay. This is just an example. This is just an example. Okay? Listen. People of God don't live together before they're married. And, and I'm not talking to people living together really here. I'm talking about the people who are friends with those people. Listen to me. You've got to be willing to have wise, hard conversations. You've got to be a better friend. That's just an example. got to have God's people in your life and you got to be willing to have hard wise conversations lastly God's presence you said Brad you just said God's word I thought what the uh same same no 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 listen and and you you could whoever does our editing they could take this what I'm getting ready to tell you they could cut this out and if it goes to social media everybody would be like those guys are heretics you got to quit going to that church okay but just stay with me Psalm 84 says this, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. That's talking about the presence of God. We've taken that verse and been like, no, you need to go to church on Sundays. Give me a break. You want to talk about diluting this verse. No, we need to get in the presence of God. And and here's what we need to do. We need to just take our Bibles and put them away. And we just need to put everything away. And we need to turn off all the noise. And we just need to sit in silence with who? With God. Think about this for a minute. When do you Sabbath from all the noise? You and I need to be alone with God in rest and in silence. And here's the reality. Busyness and noise is jacking up our froneo. We desperately need quiet meditation time. It's called solitude. You know what it is? It's a spiritual discipline. It's hard. That's why it's a discipline. But we need solitude. Listen, 
here, here it is. Here's some vulnerability, authenticity. I don't do this. I'm studying for this going, loser. <laughs> You're going to tell people they need solitude and you haven't even get, sniffed it. That's right. I've talked to my wife about this. And it's an area of repentance for me. Why don't we do it? Why do we avoid it? One of the reasons, we actually have a lot of excuses. And here's the thing about them. They're actually pretty good. Pretty good excuses. Right? Parents, we have pretty good excuses why we don't ever sniff the silence. I have four excuses. That's good excuse. It's kind of a good excuse. But, but, but it's still an excuse. And there's still a reason that it's avoided. And here's what I think it is. I think it scares us. Just, some people can't, like if I set, I'll prove it. It makes you uncomfortable, you ready? I need some noise here. I'm not used to this. Why does it scare us? I don't know, maybe because we're scared to face the real us. Maybe we're scared to hear what actually God's going to speak to us in that moment. Remember, we've read our Bibles already. We've put it, put it away. Now we're going to sit and just digest. What is God going to tell us? I don't know if I want to hear that. So, uh, Jenny Allen wrote a book, and I forgot to tell the 9 o'clock hour, so I want to make sure I tell you, it's called Get Out of Your Head, and I've read it, and it's a book uh, written by Jenny Allen, who's a woman, and she kind of writes it to women, so when I'm sitting here reading, it's like, all right, ladies, we can do this, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay, um, but it's a phenomenal book that I've actually, re- I invited my wife to read this with me, she, she read this with me. A lot of what I'm saying today actually comes from this book, but I, w- I want to read something to you that she, uh, she gave some data, some stats, and what's funny about this, that the secular world has caught on to this, okay, this, this idea of solitude, meditation. Check this out. Your brain, talking about solitude, meditation, your brain will be psychologically altered. Scientists have found that the brains of people who spend untold hours in prayer and meditation are different than those who don't. Okay, the kind of brain waves present during relaxation, those brain waves get rid of anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression decrease. Several studies have demonstrated that subjects who meditate for a short time showed increased alpha waves. These are the brain waves that cause relaxation and decreased anxiety and depression. Here's something about here's something about uh, meditation about solitude, your brain stays younger, longer. A study from UCLA found that long-term meditators had better preserved brains than non-meditators as they aged. And lastly, you'll have fewer wandering thoughts. One of the most interesting studies in the last few years carried out at Yale University found that mindfulness meditation decreases activity in the default mode network, the DMN, the brain network responsible for mind-wandering and self-referential thoughts. 
Listen, the secular world has, they've figured out that this thing's, this, that, that it works. Now, guess what we get? That the secular world don't. We can, we can, we can go to solitude, we can meditate, and the Holy Spirit's there with us. How much better is our meditation than the world's? Okay, listen, think, just think about this for a minute. Do you think that Paul, when he was writing this, knew anything about neural pathways or, or, or the default mode network? Okay, listen, I'm, I'm here to tell you no. Right? He, those words weren't even there in their vocabulary. But here's what's awesome. Um, the Holy Spirit knew about neural pathways, and he was there at creation when God made them. And he's the one that inspired Paul to write what he wrote. That's how you know you can trust this book. Go back to point number one. God's word's got to be part of your life. God's word, God's people, God's presence. If we will dive headfirst into these practices, we will literally be changed. Our brains will literally change. Our fixation will change. The Bible calls it this. You ready? Transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let me get practical as we close, okay? This is the question of the day. I want you to ask this. Just say this out loud and be kind to yourself when you ask this question. Are you ready? What am I thinking? <laughs> Ask yourself. Out loud. Go. What am I thinking? This is a good practice. What am I thinking when I'm quickly angered by my kids? Well, the thought that goes into my head is that I feel that what I need and what I want are actually the most important things on the planet right now. So when these four animals come in and interrupt this, how dare they? The world revolves around me and what I need in this moment right now. Can you please shut up and get out of here? Anger. My action then becomes very selfish. And then what happens? Well, my relationship with my kids are injured. And then the consequence, well, I feel like a failure. I'm a worthless, helpless, unlovable father. Where did that start? My thinking. What was I thinking? So let me just ask you, what are, what are you thinking? Please take what I'm getting ready to do as kindness to you. What are you thinking? Person who's been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. What are you thinking when you are dating someone who still lives in the kingdom of darkness? What are you thinking? Well, I haven't had a boyfriend in forever. I'm not unlovable. I finally feel, listen, that's anti-gospel thoughts. What are you thinking? What are you thinking, kingdom of light person, 
who's still living paycheck to paycheck and you go borrow money to buy something you do not need. Because here's the reality. Those negative thoughts, I'm worthless, right? I'm helpless, I'm unlovable. We're told that 100% of the time by the world in consumer marketing, right? You are unlovable. However, by this, you will get love. You are unworthy, but I can give you worth for three easy payments of $99.99. You will be worth it. You are completely helpless, and that's why I am here. That's, that's what we hear all the time, isn't it? Do you not realize this? Lies, lies, lies. What are you thinking? Listen, tell me what you're thinking when you binge watch Netflix. Now listen, if I binge watch Netflix, yes, it, just, it was minus five outside, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you binge watch Netflix this weekend, but you binge watched it last weekend, and then you binge watched it the weekend before, and that's the cycle. Something's going on here that needs to be addressed. There's no way your fixation will change if that's the pattern of your life. I love you. We've got to change our fixation. There's an old hymn. The title of it's Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. This thing's full of biblical metaphor. They, man, they used to write some really awesome songs. It says this, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Listen, this person who wrote this song read Colossians. You know what? You, you don't literally look at Jesus' face. You don't literally turn your literal eyes upon Jesus. What they're saying there is set your froneo on things that are above. It's metaphoric. Then it says, and and the things of earth, right here, the things of the kingdom of darkness, that's going to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Who's heard the song? Raise your church people, come on. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace on all the church people joined in. Sing it. And the thing. 